Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. Been a little bit, Sid. July yeah. was a wild month. It was. I know. We missed a week in there, didn't we? We did miss a week, and we had to, we've had we actually been away from the microphones for three weeks at this point because we had tour and we had... Uh, you know, had tour. I had a tour, Yes. All right. Thanks Here, to all the fans. Caring for our children. Thanks to the fans. You really make it special. As, and thanks to the people at home watching the kids, whoever that may be, to make it possible for me to go out there and make my magic. Yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh. But we're here now. I have my own life, you know. I know. I know. Anyway. Um, you're, doing, you're doing real work here <laughs> on the home front. I do my best. I uh, in, the, in the interim... Um, I was sent a video from Alex. Thank you, Alex. Um, from one of our one of our friends. Friends, you're using that loosely, I assume. Well, um, Lo- a friends he's for a, now. He's a friend. I consider him. Well, I mean, he's a friend, but I also consider him a friend. He's a fellow science communicator. You, I assume, consider him a friend because all media producing teams of brothers know each other are friends and yes. know each other right isn't we have, that we have a uh fantasy football league <laughs> we have <laughs> that seems unlikely <laughs> i know now we have a fantasy football league we have a cigar club. <laughs> i can't even finish it yeah 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 we know we know the greens yeah it's you all the greens the property brothers Property brothers uh, um jonas brothers i don't know if jake and amir are brothers um who else? Who are the, other brothers? I mean, Car Talk, R.I.P. I don't know. I don't know. Mark's other. brothers. Yeah. I mean, they're mm-hmm. all they're gone, but you get it. My sorry, my dad only watched old Hansen. stuff. Hanson. <laughs> my dad only watched old stuff growing <laughs> up, so I only know about old things. Uh, this and is Hanson, a, apparently. Yeah, this is an older video. Actually, when I watched it, I was like, "Oh, this is a new video." No, it's not. It's from 2018. Um, but I, th- I still think it's a funny thing for us to talk about because uh, Hank Green, who is a wonderful, th- by the way, we this, is, this is good-natured Green. ribbing. This is in no way, like, contentious. I, yeah. I, I'm hoping that comes through, but I also just want to say it bluntly. The Greens are I love the Greens. Of the, They're the great. The Greens are a couple of the best people I know. They put <laughs> yeah. in the work and actually do, like, a lot of good stuff rather than trying to benefit themselves. They're fantastic human beings. So I like— But— <laughs> No, I like Hank a lot, and I, I love his science communication and his videos, and obviously, like, that's a whole thing. I don't know how to do videos. I only do voice stuff, so, yeah, you know, impressive. But he, he did a video in 2018 that Alex shared with me just 
recently, so I only know about it now. Um, telling everybody about his love for Metamucil. Mm-hmm. And I would say making the, um, I, I would not say it's medical advice because he is not a physician. So I don't think you can call it medical advice. Right. That basically everybody should take Metamucil. So I thought we should do an episode on like, but should we, Hank? Should we all? Because you and I have take Metamucil. You and I have talked about fiber before, casually, <laughs> in our day to day lives, as old people do. You were told me that you we just disagreed. I kind of thought from some of my studies in my educate my mm-hmm. own personal health journey and personal health education that like everybody should be having fiber just to keep everything going good. Well, now when you say that, it makes it sound like I didn't want everyone to eat fiber. I think what what the confusion is, do we all need a supplement? Um that's different than the conversation of do you need to eat fiber? I know. You I, need I don't to think eat anybody fiber. is denying that yes, we do need to eat fiber. Okay. Right? Yes. Like that we can all agree upon. Yes. I got recommended values in here I'm going to talk about and everything. I, I the question is do we all need a fiber supplement? I have a very clear memory of being very unclear about what Metamucil was. As a mm-hmm. child Metamucil was sort of, specifically Metamucil, uh, was sort of like a shorthand for like old person. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like (laughs) I knew it was a powder that old people got that they got for themselves and like they didn't get. And I used to watch because it's like an orange flavored drink that that it makes. Mm -hmm. The ones that are flavored, you can get unflavored. But I used to watch adults like mix up this orange drink I'm like dang i'd love to get me some of this orange drink look at this beauty i love it it's just a weird powder for old people. <laughs> now hank says in his video that even people with quote unquote good poops should take metamucil mm-hmm. like don't don't feel like you're you're already getting enough fiber and your poops are so good that you don't need metamucil you should still take metamucil yeah don't go around um, thinking you're <laughs> that you're better stink. than metamucil um so do you know what metamucil is Yes, it's psyllium husks. That's good. Yes. That's good. That's a good start. Yeah. So you, well, have you, if, like, researched Metamucil yourself? If you ever had a point in your life when you were on uh, a way of eating where you're not oh, taking okay. in a lot of you, carbohydrates. You were constipated. Listen, this is a family show. <laughs> this I mean, is a show for kids. This I don't is the whole kids. thing. It's about Metamucil. That's what we're talking about. The teens already think little enough of me without thinking that I didn't need old man powder for my poops. So psyllium is, it's a form of fiber that comes from seed husks from the uh, Plantago genus. That is the no, genus No, I did not know the genus. Plantago. That is something I've learned today. Plantago ovata is responsible for the psyllium that we, that we consume. For the most part, that is the, that is the species that, that we know as Metamucil. Okay. Um, there are a couple other species that produce it as well, but the vast majority comes from India. The, the oh, vast majority of like the, yes, the psyllium that we, and there's like, um, not to get, too technical with it because I want to talk about the medical part, but there's different grades too, like how pure the psyllium is. The mm. stuff that we use for medical purposes is like the highest grade. It's like 95 to 99 percent. But you, you know, can get higher, like psyllium husk. Metamucil X, it's the one in the gold jar and it's like top <laughs> shelf. It's like, I think it's Metamucil XO. It's like been aged for a while. It's like really premium stuff. It'll rip <laughs> through like I a I feel like people train. would come out with that. Eventually, but no, the the lower grade stuff is just used for other other purposes, industrial purposes, like um, veterinary purposes. There's some other things you can do with the lower grade psyllium, but the higher right. grade is when you need it. That that's 
the medical medical stuff. Um, the name, by the way, uh, so the word for psyllium in India is aspagala. There are a couple different iterations of that word, but um, they, it comes from the Persian for horse ear because of the way the seed looks. Hmm. So, and I mentioned that because the history of medi- the medicinal use of psyllium or aspagala in India is much longer than our understanding, like okay. our, our sort of Western use of psyllium. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of uses in Ayurvedic medicine, and so that predates mm. kind of our concept of it. Um, the Greeks came up with the word psyllium for uh, sola for flea, which is a reference to the way the seed looks again. Everybody's really into the way the seed looks. Right, and it's kind of weird. I, I think it's just an interesting psychological study on two different people look at a seed and yeah, come like, up with either— Oh, wait, a horse's ear? No, 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 no. A flea. It looks like a flea. Look at it. <laughs> it's very small. Somebody get a microscope. <laughs> a microscope? No, it's—oh, actually, I don't know what it is. I just said the word. That's weird that I said <laughs> microscope. I don't know what that is. So it's a naturally occurring material. We husk it from seeds. We use it as fiber. That's nice. We don't have to make it. It's just there. Right. Like you take it off the seed, it's left over. Um, the The way that psyllium works is it has this uh, mucilaginous polysaccharide. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> that's made of some stuff. You can't be like, let me break this down in layman's terms. <laughs> it's got a mucilaginous polysaccharide. So basically, this mucilage. Nope. Yeah. Do it again. Well, Start. okay, this substance that Thank is mucilage. It's like a clear gel-like okay. substance. See, okay, this is good. Yes, and yes, yes. it's going to absorb water. Okay. Okay. It's a, This is a soluble fiber. Oh, that means it absorbs water. Yes, so it's going to absorb water. So this, this mucilaginous polysaccharide will absorb water and increase in volume by tenfold when it does so. So it gets much, 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 much bigger. Okay. Okay. So the way that it works is you— ingest the psyllium, mm-hmm. this mucilage is in your, you know, in what your stool will be, in the, okay. in the mixture of stuff that's going to become your stool. And okay. it's going to absorb and absorb and absorb water, which will make your stool softer and pass more easily. Oh, okay. Give it a better consistency and form. Better is on an its interesting word, down. isn't it? And also can bind other things, as we'll, we'll talk about. Um, this is different, by the way, than from insoluble fiber. I think that's an important— That just rocks right on through. It does. It doesn't absorb no water. And it's sort of like—it's like a brush for your colon. A, a colon blow. <laughs> they don't absorb anything. They just move through and brush everything on on their way. Um, we have talked about, like, constipation, laxatives, making people poop. We talk about this a lot on this show. Too much by some people's record. Well, because— w- Throughout human history, we have had this sort of, I don't want to say obsession, but it has been very important to the human animal that poops happen with regularity and we, we, a good here's, consistency. Here's how important it is to us. We have a word regular that means the way things ought to be, and then we literally use that exact word to mean that I'm pooping well. Mm-hmm. Like. Here's here's the two meanings of regular. That and my poops are normal. That's how important it is to me. I've made the word <laughs> for the entire concept of regularity refer to pooping. It, it really – well, and you can look back through history and across cultures and, and you see this concept of if you're not pooping regularly, then – the stool that is in your body, because we knew it was in there. We right. knew it had to come out, so we knew that until it came out, it was still it was in, in there. there somewhere. And there was a concern with what that could do. And we see that 
as far back as like, you know, papyri from the ancient Egyptians writing about the concept that if stool just sits in your body, it will like putrefy and poison you and release toxins. And that concept is still echoed in things you will read today. Mm. The idea that part of the problem with constipation is that the stool in there is going to do all sorts of terrible things and like make you sick from the inside. This like auto intoxication is the word they use a lot. It's going to, you know, make you toxic from the inside out. You will still hear this echoed today. So all throughout human history, we've been very worried that if we don't go to the bathroom, it's going to make us super sick, which it does. Which I mean, not wrong, be, you're not right? wrong. You don't like, want it in I mean, there. Who's been very constipated? It sucks. It, like you yeah. do, you feel really sick. It's awful. But what about fiber and psyllium specifically? Now, Hippocrates noticed a link between that. So like we've known, you know, the idea that fiber has something to do with going number two. Mm-hmm. Old, old idea. Um, and he advised that if somebody has constipation, they should eat wheat bran. Yeah. Wow. Good one. Yeah. So, I mean, the the use of, of fiber in our diet as a from a nutritional standpoint, less a medicine, although for a long time, medicine and nutrition were sort of one. I mean, if you look at like the ancient Greek approach to medicine, it was very much lifestyle, diet, sleep, you know, activity, those sorts of things. Here's what I'll say about this. And I always think it's interesting to think about like it, this system is what I feel like we understand at this point in history, like early before we have a lot of like tools, we understand systems that have, but we have a better understanding of systems that have a direct input and output where you can like a B test. Right. So I think without harming or injuring the person. Right. So I think like it makes sense that we would figure this one out fairly early because it's one where we can like run daily experiments on, without any sort of tools or anything, right? We can, like, each day, like, try different foods and, like, oh, this mm-hmm. is a direct – I can directly resolve the re- – uh, you know, observe the result of taking in this this stuff. Sure. Well, and, I mean, it, it makes sense that we would figure out things that would make us poop, make us puke, make us pee, observable right. reactions long before we would figure out things that would – lower our cholesterol or blood right. pressure, which are things that, you know, we didn't we don't even know how to measure at this point. A lot point. harder. Right. So the use of fiber specifically as, as some sort of treatment may have been known. But in all honesty, like if you look through when did this become popular? Because I'd say today, like fiber, the intake of fiber is not just known to be beneficial, but it's like a cornerstone of yeah. a lot of sort of like wellness yes. concepts, yes. right? Like, that's one of the first things. Like, are you eating enough fiber? That's one of the first things people say. Sleep, hydration, fiber. Yes. So when when did that sort of movement begin? Many, many years later. I would say probably it started in the early 1900s when um, there was a British physician, Sir William Arbuthnot Lane, who began to promote this theory that um, constipation is kind of like the central scourge of humanity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's like the main... And again, we're seeing the echoes of this idea that... If you don't go to the bathroom regularly, that's you're getting you know toxins from the inside. The, the same thing that ancient cultures were talking right. about. Um, and he he said you know the cause of all the hideous seek of all the hideous sequence of maladies peculiar to civilization, constipation, constipation, constipation. Um, and that also begins our tying of constipation and diet and all of that to like why there are 
sort of population differences in specific diseases, Mm -hmm. which is also something that we will begin to talk about more and more. Why do some areas of the world get this more? And is it our diet? And what is it in the diet? And, oh, my gosh, how many things does this apply to? You know, why were we all drinking red wine and eating olive oil for a while in the (laughs) 80s? So I want to talk about how that became sort of a cultural idea. But before I do that, we got to go to the billing department. Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat, delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box? Pre-prepared? All I got in two minutes? I mean, filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, And the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hey, it's John Moe, host of Depression Mode, a podcast about people's mental health journeys. Guess who we got? Guess who? It's Jamie Lee Curtis. 
I look at life now as the game of guess who, which is simply the process of elimination. I know what I don't like. That's how I found out who I am. Jamie Lee Curtis on addiction, show business, and fooling people, all on Depression Mode from Maximum Fun, wherever you get your podcasts. Well, Manolo, we have a show to promote. It's called Dr. Game Show. It's a family-friendly podcast where listeners submit games and we play them with callers from around the world. Oh, sounds good. New episodes uh, happen every other Wednesday on MaximumFun.org. It's a, it's a fast and loose oasis of absurd innocence and naivete. And Are you writing a poem? No, and just saying things from my memory. And uh, it's a nice break from reality. Is that, are we allowed to say that? I don't know. It sounds bad. It comes with a 100% happiness guarantee. It does not. <laughs> Come for the games and stay for the chaos. All right, Sid. Fiber, the modern era. <laughs> a new, the next generation. So by the 20s, People were less convinced that constipation was the root of all disease. All disease. Like that, they've been pushing it. And like I said, that 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 idea that it does make you sick to be constipated, it exists today. So I'm not saying that that fell out of favor, but the idea that like we could blame everything mm-hmm. on not pooping regularly <laughs> was not as popular. But the theory from Lane that this was sort of that constipation was also like a modern disease or what he would he would call like an urban disease, an industrial disease. It is a disease of cities. It is also what a lot of these writers of this time would have talked about as like a disease of the civilized person. Just to, I mean, I am. For example, liking LaCroix. <laughs> same same idea, right? It, it is a disease that only plagues the city folk. Yeah. <laughs> they were, well, I mean, if you read the writings, you're going to see really horrible Ethnocentric things said uh, about other cultures that might have made in other my parts of the world. Reference to Lacroix seem um, insensitive in hindsight. Well, no, I mean, I, I that is maybe the way you use the word civilized. Oh, okay. Uh, these um, gentlemen from the nineteen twenties were not being so kind. Okay, I got you. So, I mean, and it's very much to their mind, like the result of civilization is this bad eating habit. And if we return to a more, what they would call primitive state. I'm not making it up, by the way. When you go to like a, um, like an office of a company at like a city, Mm -hmm. and you open the fridge, it's just all LaCroix. It's like, wow, you guys really like this stuff? I don't get it. I don't know. I don't like LaCroix. Okay. I mean, that's fine if you do. I have no problem with, with LaCroix. Go for it. Um, I just, I'm a Diet Dr. Pepper fan. I like a claw. I don't know. Do you think I would like LaCroix now, more now that I've had so many claws? I don't know because it's just, then they take the alcohol out. Yeah, that's true. I feel like they're less sweet, but maybe I've attuned my taste buds to LaCroix. I, I tried it one time and just went, nah. No, I don't get it. No, I mean, I just, it's water for me and then my diet Dr. Pepper that I treat myself to. I'm yeah. good. I okay. don't need new drinks at this point in yeah, my we're life. we're all full up on new drinks. <laughs> I'm very old. I don't need new drinks. No, thank you. Uh, all right. Sorry. I got off on the LaCroix <laughs> tangent. Uh, so anyway, um, as I was saying, there was this argument that there are parts of the human population where right. they're eating better. And so they're not getting all these diseases because- they eat better, and the way we know is constipation. 
Okay. Um, the whiter your bread, the sooner you're dead. He would say. <laughs> yeah. So more whole grains, less refined carbohydrates. Um, this observation was built on from another British physician, Sir Robert McCarrison, who had noticed specifically the difference in diets in uh, people in northern India who ate a lot of grains. And he noticed that they had lower rates of like colon cancer and ulcers and appendicitis and things like that. So again, okay. we're tying this diet to specific diseases that so we're, we're developing this theory. It's interesting that as early as the 1920s, we were like, white bread, guys, I don't know. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think that we need to be doing it. Like, that, does that predate sliced bread? No, they probably had sliced bread at that point. But yeah. like, that's wild that already that early we're like, this seems off. <laughs> we shouldn't, I don't think this is right. It is It is interesting when you think about like, it feels like such a modern idea. Yeah. And I mean, I guess in the grand scope of medical history, it's modern, but not in the sense of our lifetime. Um, so his work also inspired British naval surgeon. We have all these guys who kind of come to the same conclusions around the same time and they're building off the same work but then they'll argue like I didn't know that other guy was doing it it was my <laughs> idea um, so there's British naval surgeon T.L. Cleave who came up with what was called the saccharine disease theory you can download by the way the entire like PDF of the saccharine disease like his his whole Ooh, book his whole treatise wait 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 on it <laughs> wait for free I did I, read, I read some me? of it <laughs> I didn't read the entire well, thing, full you disclosure. You URL, it's long. Sid. You can't just say that. It's you long. Let, let us know where we can get it. It's, did you set up a, a file sharing thing or something? So you can no. no. The saccharine <laughs> disease. Conditions caused by the taking of refined carbohydrates such as sugar and white flour by T.L. Cleave. I wish you guys had seen that. She just closed her eyes and did it from memory. She loves this document so much. So he published this in, in 1974. Um, and like I said, it's it, you can find it all. Uh, but <laughs> the idea was that the consumption of refined carbohydrates like like white flour and sugar were causing issues in many parts of the body and you were having many negative health effects. And that, again, this is based on like observations of differences in diets from okay. different parts of the world. So physicians who for some reason had traveled to different parts of the world, lived there, saw the way people ate, observed, you know, took care of them, so knew what kind of diagnoses they had and then built this theory um, all of this went on to inspire, and this is probably the physician that is most responsible for our current ideas is Dr. Dennis Burkett. Now, I had heard of Dr. Burkett in medical school because there's a kind of lymphoma called Burkett's lymphoma. And so same I saw guy? the name. Yeah, same guy. Wow. So he was the first one to diagnose that and and therefore have it uh, bear his name. But what Dr. Burkett also talked about again was fiber and health. So he was originally from Ireland. He was stationed in parts of Africa during World War II, and because of his experiences, he decided to settle in Uganda. So he lived in Uganda for quite a while, obviously being a doctor, taking care of people, and we can assume eating. Right. Because, you know, you gotta. Uh, And he eventually moved to England and began talking about the differences, again, that he observed between Western and these uh, Ugandan diets and the diseases that he would diagnose in these different populations. And he echoed the same thing that all of these other physicians had sort of been talking about and writing about and publishing about, which is that there's more fiber in Ugandan diets than the diets of people, you know, where he was from in Ireland and when he went back to England. And he thought it was responsible for the lower rates of various gastrointestinal issues, things like colon cancer. Now, I, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I'm sorry to go off on another tangent. I was just thinking about it. 
I've heard this same line of reasoning applied to a lot of different, there should be a name, like I, in this case, it may be on the money, but there should be a name for the fallacy of like this culture lives longer. So it must be this thing. Cause I've heard like, I remember listening to something when I was a kid, it was like a, some tape about colloidal minerals that I got for free. Cause I was in this phase where I would try to get as much free stuff online as I could. And mm-hmm. I got this tape about colloidal mineral minerals. And there was this guy talking about this, this, um, village that lives like downstream from rock salt or something. And there's like minerals in their water and they live a bajillion years or whatever. And he's using that as justification. Like when there's, you know, a thousand different factors, you know what I mean? That like differentiate our culture from their culture. It could be a bajillion different things, but like that is used as like justification for like this, this this is the good stuff. It's hard too because what I know it works out sometimes for sure. Well, but. well, it, I mean, yeah, it can work out, but like what we what we recognize now is that to compare completely different like populations, two different parts of the world, two different like food sort of traditions, two different like um, their entire lifestyle, especially if we're talking about like urban versus rural or like what sort of jobs do people do? How active are they? What are their, I mean, the, the genetics then, that's a whole other thing. We know that there are a lot of things you're at higher risk for just baked in your genes and it has nothing to do with what you ate. And all of that we understand now, it makes it so much more complex. And so something like this is very um, seductive. Right. Right. Because, oh, if I just ate more fiber, one th- we, always want we just had that bullet. one thing when, you know, a lot of this stuff is a lot more complex um so he wrote the book don't forget fiber in your diet and that became an international bestseller and it's probably like this was this is in the 70s is where we're up to now and the 70s is where you really see this push right that's when people start going oh maybe we should all eat whole grains (laughs) um and alongside him i should mention uh researcher hugh trow who went on to like define what we think of as dietary fiber what what are what is that? Okay, he was the one who wrote it all down and and figured it out. Now, as this evolution was happening, so you see all of these doctors and scientists, a lot of them British, but it's drifting across the Atlantic so that Americans are paying attention to. You see them like talking about fiber, talking about bad refined carbs, all this stuff, more fiber in your diet, and people who sell things catch on to this. So. One of the first people to catch on to this was actually Kellogg. Ah, uh, yeah. Who started selling a brand cereal for constipation way back in the 20s, right? And you saw food products, you saw, especially cereals. Like, there were lots of cereals that were marketed for that. Yeah, with whole grain. Mm-hmm. For, for their and, – and, I mean, the, the understanding is that this will help with your constipation. Right. Even if it wasn't being – now, Kellogg would have said it because, you know, he was nasty. But <laughs> he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. Um, he's a really bad guy. He's a really bad guy. Um, and many other uh, cereal and bread producers followed suit. And in the, and in the 20s and 30s, you also have this time where, like, laxatives were really popular. <laughs> he's not the Kellogg from Kellogg's, by the way. It's important to always draw this distinction. The Kellogg from Kellogg's is his brother. Yes. The, the real— But the they did, real... like, come up with cereals. Like, yeah. some of the cereals— Yeah, was... but I don't think we're faulting Kellogg for the cereals he created. I'm know. just saying that, like— I don't want you to we did feel a whole, guilty. We, if you haven't time, listened to yeah. it, we it's did a, a whole episode on the Battle Creek Sanitarium. And there's probably a chapter in the book. Didn't I, there's a chapter, chapter in the, in the book, book about it. And I mean, there's lots. He was famously a bad 
dude. Just a bad dude. Yeah, this is not <laughs> this a is an unqual- This is assertion. an easy one, right? This, is a, this isn't like We revealed. have accepted that yeah. the things he did at the Battle Creek Sanitarium were not okay. Um, so in the 20s and 30s, there were lots of laxatives being sold, too. There was a big push on like, oh, everybody needs to poop more. So you see this sort of like... There's interest in laxatives. There's interest in fiber. All of that resulted Mm. in all the way back in 1934, we have the introduction of psyllium as a possible treatment for constipation Mm -hmm. in the form of Metamucil. That's how old Metamucil is. That's an old one. 1934. And like I said, psyllium had a long history of being used for medicinal purposes, especially in Ayurvedic medicine. Um... Now, when it was first introduced to the public in 1934, it was what was called a behind-the-counter brand. So it was not something... What's that mean? Like, it was... it was You'd have to ask for it. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, um, I'll take that pornographic magazine and... Um, some Metamucil. Some Metamucil. It wasn't... And, and the point... It, even if it wasn't dad. like... He's an old man. Obviously, I've already said, like, people were talking about laxatives. People were talking about going to the bathroom. Now, I mean, I would say people... Probably male people could talk about that. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, I mean, Sorry like this was not the thing. I would think in the twenties and thirties, as a as a woman, you would want to discuss openly. Would be my assumption. I don't know, um, but also it just wasn't heavily marketed. My point is, like, it's back there. You know, it's back there. You can ask for it, but it's not out on the shelves where people are going to be buying it in droves, right? Gotcha. So, like, it exists, but it's not a huge product, and there's not a huge push behind it. The company that had it at the time was not making a giant effort to push it out to the public. Okay. <laughs> the name Metamucil. You don't need a giant effort. Uh-huh. With Metamucil. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you hate talking about this so much. I'm getting better at it. The name Metamucil. Do you want to know where it comes from? Oh, absolutely. The the meta part is from the Greek for change. Meta, change. Uh, right. The musil is just a reference to mucilage. Oh, okay. The stuff that, the stuff that makes it work. Okay. Meta the mucilage. Which, it's interesting that it's become as popular. It's knowing why, that part of its name it, is yeah. derived from the, I mean, let's all agree, kind of grody word, mucilage. Yeah. And then met. It is weird that they got to that one. They were like, "This sounds good. People will be able to intuit what this product yeah. is." Um. So Fibercon. There. <laughs> there you go. Fiber for constipation. <laughs> That's Fibercon. It. So Metamucil already exists. sounds like a robot that keeps you regular. <laughs> People are interested in pooping. Yeah. Fiber is on the grow. Everybody's excited <laughs> about it, right? Yeah. And so now we're in the seventies. And they start marketing Metamucil a little more. They start pushing it a little more because they're like, well, okay, people seem to like fiber now. Right. Psyllium, this is great. This is a good moment for us. And then really when things took off was in 1985 when Procter & Gamble bought Metamucil. And Uh, they were like, we've got to get this stuff out there. And they came up with the not all fiber is created equally line Mm. and all the TV commercials about Metamucil and probably because of Procter & Gamble. I mean, 1985, we're alive by now. Now we're at the point where Sydney and Justin are both alive. And our concept growing up of Metamucil being this thing (laughs) that all old people took, that's where it comes from. Um, So where are we with all that now? So now, like, Metamucil's everywhere. There's... Lots of different kinds and flavors. And mm-hmm. um, it's usually like there's a powder 
you can dissolve the in cla- something. The classic is like an orange powder that mm-hmm. dissolves in drinks. Although they do have classic, capsules, too. Like, capsules are like, honestly, the, probably more popular is the unflavored at this point. You just like mix it into Because you can put it in anything. Yeah. Yeah. And you really uh, can't detect. I mean, like, I don't I don't think it, maybe it's a little thicker. The main thing is make sure you're checking your proportions and that you put the appropriate, that it's dissolved in the appropriate amount of liquid. Oh, yeah. Because um, that is one of the, I'm going to talk about like the, the risks one of the, I would say, less common problems would be if you tried to just, like, swallow it mm-hmm. or if you just put it in, like, a teeny bit of water and threw it back. That can be really dangerous because, as I have said, its purpose is to absorb water and expand. Right. You don't want it doing that in, like, your esophagus. Right. That would be bad. Right. So, well, it's right there on the can. Like, you just look at it. It's you just follow the directions. Um, studies do support... That psyllium uh, helps your cholesterol. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, it's it, it, it like, binds it in the body. Hmm. Like, it binds a lot of things. Hmm. So, it absorbs stuff. It binds stuff. It, so, it can lower your, what we call, quote, unquote, bad cholesterol, okay. typically, your LDL. Um, so, it, it's mainly effective in people who actually have elevated cholesterol. Like, the studies for if someone's cholesterol is already okay, the mm-hmm. idea that it would lower it further or keep it low, I can't really necessarily say, but it does see it does have an effect on people who have mild to moderate elevations in their LDL. It can lower that to an extent. The long-term effects aren't like we don't know exactly what that means. Like you've got to play that out for years and years and years and do big studies to say, so does that decrease your risk of a heart attack or stroke? Right. Right. We would you would assume that that's true. That if you it's lower generally cholesterol, positive, but it may not be enough to move the needle. So well, yeah, so you can't assume one from the other, but but so it does lower cholesterol. We know that as a solu- soluble fiber, um, it's going to increase your bowel movements. Any soluble fiber will. Um, if your constipation is being caused by a lack of fiber, adding fiber or a fiber supplement like psyllium would help, right? Right. And it will increase your BMs if it's not <laughs> caused. <laughs> If it's not caused by a lack of fiber, though, it's hard to say that it actually will fix the problem. Um, There have been studies that even suggested adding more fiber to your diet if your problem isn't a lack of fiber may actually backfire and cause more constipation. (laughs) Now, that being said, that's usually – psyllium is usually not the problem. We're usually talking about insoluble fiber at that point. Because you can imagine, since insoluble fiber doesn't absorb water, it just kind of sits in there as a big bulk thing that scrapes out the colon. If you're already constipated and the issue isn't fiber and you put more insoluble fiber in there, you Ooh. could cause more problems. Yeah. Um, and the other thing about psyllium, so it is soluble, you're not going to have that problem. It also doesn't ferment, and that can be an issue. Well, it's a good thing and a bad – it's like a double-edged sword. So psyllium is probably the least uh, risky okay. of all these fiber supplements – you know, in that sense. Like, if you're not sure what the problem is and you're just sort of taking a swing <laughs> and trying to fix your constipation, psyllium is is probably one of the least risky things you could do, for sure. It's generally safe. It can cause flatulence, bloating, pain in some people. Um, and again, it won't necessarily relieve constipation if that isn't your problem, although it does increase the frequency of bowel movements, sure. like, pretty pretty. Yeah, um, reliably. Yep. <laughs> but that doesn't necessarily mean it'll get rid of like gas or bloating or yeah. pain or that kind of thing. But it can. Um, and th- the only risk, I would say, it can bind certain medications mm. as well. So if you're on medications like prescription meds, I would really talk to your provider before you 
you know, because um, I mean, this is probably not going to be an issue for most people unless you're like taking it all together. But some people might, you know, for simplicity, take their Metamucil and take all their meds and it could bind those meds and then decrease the levels of them in your body as a result. Yeah. So as a supplement, it is something. And I mean, I advise this with any supplement. It's hard to say that there are any that are no risk. And so even one that is pretty low risk, it's still worth a chat with your provider to say like, hey, I take medicines XYZ. Is it still okay if I take Metamucil? Um, That's never a bad idea. Rare patients, like I said, do get more constipation, although psyllium is least likely to cause it. Um, And if you have some sort of medical cause for constipation something like irritable bowel syndrome or something. Um, again, I would talk to somebody fire first. Fire truck up there, play fire truck. <laughs> happens. I mean, it happens. Play fire it truck happens. up there, it happens. Um, and, and fiber might help with. So other things that fiber has been studied, and in some cases psyllium specifically, are things like type 2 diabetes and, and heart disease and colon cancer. Um, and the evidence keeps going back and forth, like specifically colon cancer, a new meta-analysis that tells us whether or not fiber can prevent colon cancer comes out like every other year, I feel like, and says something slightly different. Obviously, fiber is good for you for a variety of reasons. And so I would endorse eating plenty of fiber. Um, I cannot tell you right now that definitively eating fiber is going to keep you from getting colon cancer. It might. It might reduce your risk of colon cancer. But it might not. Um, But it does does all these other things. So fiber is good. The recommendations for fiber are um, 38 grams a day and 25 for men and for women, unless you're over 50, and then it drops to 30 and 21. You just don't need as much fiber, which I guess maybe that's why everybody thinks they should take Metamucil. I don't know. I will say this, and Hank is right about this. Generally speaking, Americans don't need enough fiber. We don't. We don't hit those markers. So the idea that you'll need a fiber supplement is not a wild suggestion because you're statistically— if you're listening, you're probably not eating enough fiber. Yep. Justin, you and I are probably not eating enough fiber. Yeah. I'll do better. But then a lot of people would point out the best way to get anything that comes from food is to eat the food. Mm-hmm. Assuming you can and you don't have some sort of, you know, dietary restrictions, medical restrictions. Um, it's good to just eat. You get all the other good stuff from the food, not just the fiber. Whereas with the supplement, you just get the fiber. Right. So I don't know. I mean, the assertion should everyone take Metamucil – I am, and this, and you probably know this if you listen to the show, I am of the opinion that there's not anything, like, supplement-wise, medicinal-wise, that everyone should take. Water. Well, I mean, is that a supplement? No. Water and air and food. Yeah. I mean, I, I when it comes to, like, actual, like, medicinal things or supplemental things or vitamins or things like that, I am, I, I, it would be hard for me to come up with anything that I think everyone should take. And I think there's a little bit of hyperbole at play here, I also think. I do think that the reminder that fiber is important and that you should be eating plenty of it and that if you're not considering a fiber supplement, and if you're going to consider a fiber supplement, psyllium is probably a really good way to go. And there are other things, by the way, I don't, I am also not a brand ambassador for Metamucil. There are lots of other ways you can get psyllium. There are other fiber oh. supplements that I know are all just the ways psyllium. To get psyllium. Yeah, I mean, like you don't have to take that brand. There are other brands of psyllium out there. You can just look on the container and see what it has. Um, but it's like with anything. I would say that if you're considering adding something to your daily regimen, that's a product like that. I would I would talk to your. To your provider, if you have any other... You would like it if a patient of yours is like, hey, I'm sorry to bother you on the phone, 
because you gave me your personal home number. But like, I'm thinking about taking Metamucil every day. Where are you at with that? I think I think that if you, you wouldn't have, be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. <laughs> good, I think that it. if you have no underlying chronic medical conditions and you're on no other medications, this would be a very low risk thing to try. All right. I think that if those those other statements apply to you. It's always important to check to make sure there aren't interactions with the other things you're doing. Because if things are going well, and especially if you are, quote unquote, having good poops, before you throw something else in the mix, you know. Yeah, that's true. And sometimes constipation is caused by other conditions that we can diagnose and treat in other ways. That's the other thing. Like, just as an example, people with hypothyroidism often have constipation. And if they go and get tested and diagnosed with hypothyroidism and treated for hypothyroidism, that is very important for a variety of, of other symptoms they may be having. And yeah. so don't just take psyllium, you know, go go get diagnosed. This is not me saying, see, we've gone down this whole rabbit hole. This is not me saying that everybody with constipation has some sort of medical condition. Should I step in at some point or should I just can't kind of let you go, keep going, just keep taking I <laughs> I'm just saying I think it's important if you're ever worried to ask somebody – in the healthcare profession, before you add something new to your healthcare regimen. Right. So. Is that fair? Go to your dentist. Anybody in the healthcare profession. <laughs> no, go to your dentist oh and say. Gosh, stop. What's up with fiber, doc? Come on, Dr. Woodruff. What's up? It's what's always good to eat fiber and drink water and get All plenty right, so of Hank, sleep. In and closing, Hank was right. Uh, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Thanks to the taxpayers for using their song Medicines as the intro and outro. Of our program. We have a book. It's anywhere fine books are sold. Um, it's called The Sawbones Book. Uh, Sydney Sibling Taylor did the illustrations and we did the words. Um, we did the words. We did the words. I do the rock. Have you heard that? That Tim Curry's like one pop hit. I do the rock as well. Anyway, uh, that is going to do it for us. Oh, thanks to Max Fun Network for having us a part of their extended podcasting family. And thanks to you for listening. That's going to do it for us. Until next time, my name is Justin McRoy. I'm Sydney McRoy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. All right. Yeah. org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.